This is Louisiana Considered on WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge. I'm Diane Mack. Just ahead on today's show, the rich cultural heritage of Ukraine comes alive in a showcase of classical ballet and folk dances as the Kiev City Ballet heads to Louisiana on its first U.S. tour. And Anton Chekhov's classic work, The Seagull, gets reworked by the NOLA Project for today's audiences with a local spin. It's called The Seagull, or How to Eat It. But first, last spring, New Orleans Public Library launched a new music streaming service. But unlike Spotify or iTunes, this website exclusively features artists in the Big Easy. NPR's Scott Simon has the story. New Orleans is a music mecca. Oh, great, unless you're an up-and-coming artist who's trying to get heard. The New Orleans Public Library wanted to change that, so it put recordings from local acts on a website people can stream. It's called Crescent City Sounds. Joshua Smith is a library associate who came up with the idea. We're a huge music city, and we're a city that works together and supports each other, and I really thought that we needed this cool free music catalog for the community to stream and for unknown artists to get their names out there. Other public libraries in great music towns, including Austin and Nashville, have set up similar online music libraries. New Orleans launched its service with 28 local artists earlier this week. It's just a great way to get as much of their information and their music out to the public in a low-barrier, free kind of way. The library invited a rapper, a DJ, and other local music professionals to curate the collection. You think of a certain amount of things as New Orleans music, and we certainly have that up on there, but we have a lot of rock stuff that you wouldn't think of, and like just some weird things. I love everything that we put up. Marine Orchestra is like beachy, yacht rock, really fun. And Swayze is super awesome, like old school electronica pop kind of stuff. Another local musician who's part of the Crescent City Sounds is Ted Hefko of Ted Hefko and the Thousand Airs. Where did all my good friends go? Where the currents of the Midwest meet the Gulf of Mexico. He's a roots rock musician and songwriter who says New Orleans shaped his music. I mean, music is everywhere. I was sitting in a bar last night and the brass band led a whole group of people and they came in. So you never know when it's going to appear. Ted Hefko says that he got involved when one of the curators contacted him. It is nice to have it in a place other than Spotify or something where it's lumped in with music from all over the place and people can just concentrate on the New Orleans music scene. Crescent City Sounds pays each artist a small honorarium, $250, to license their music for five years, and it plans to look for more music to add to its collection next year. Library associate Joshua Smith says reactions so far have been positive. I hope people find some cool new bands and get out and go to shows and have a good time.
from WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Diane Mack. The internationally recognized Kiev City Ballet is making two stops in Louisiana on its inaugural U.S. tour. The Ukrainian dancers will showcase their art with performances in New Orleans and Lafayette. Joining me now are Kiev City Ballet Artistic Director Ivan Kozlov and New Orleans Ballet Association Executive Director Jenny Hamilton. Welcome to Louisiana Considered. Thank you. Thank you. Ivan, let's start with you. How did this U.S. tour come about? Uh, we left Ukraine on 23rd of February, right before invasion began. We were supposed to go on a tour, and we went on a tour to France for three weeks. But we've been provided by the French government with a place to work, with a place to live, so we could continue working in the direction we used to. So we worked in France. We create new performances in there. We traveled around France. We went to United Kingdom as well and uh, to Middle East. And after that, we arrived to the United States to have our tour with um, about 23 performances around here. Now, Jenny, how did the New Orleans Ballet Association, NOBA, and the Kiev City Ballet connect to make this stop in Louisiana possible? Well, this tour was put together, and we were approached to be part of the tour. Uh, obviously, we joined forces with other cities around the country to provide an opportunity for the company, for Ivan and, and his beautiful dancers, to come to the United States and to perform for all of us. We, of course, jumped at the chance. We actually originally had something else scheduled in October, but when this opportunity came up, we wanted to be able to be there for this company. And so we postponed and made it possible for the company to be in New Orleans with us. Now, Ivan, what will we experience in this tour? Which works will be performed in New Orleans? We perform in New Orleans. God, Tribute to Peace, Paquita, Grandpa, and the Men of Kiev. We're excited to go, and we hope everybody will like us and will see our open hearts the way we share in our love. Can you talk a little bit more about the specific dances? Give us a little flavor of what we're going to experience. The performance starts is modern performance, which is created by one of our dancers in the, from our group, from our feature. It's a 40 minute piece about thoughts of a man, how he trying to get to his goal, to his idea, the, the main thought, and how his other thoughts staying on his way, making difficulties in his life, and he's trying to clear his head to go through that to get the goal. Tribute to Peace is a performance is about sharing the love of the people, about small stories of couples, <laughs> about one street, one city, no name of the city, no time, nothing, and how people should help each other without any any war and about with uh, with the love and with, with uh, in their hearts. And uh, Paquita, classical grandpa from performance Paquita, and Man of Keith, uh, the folk piece which all audience loved created by Pablo Virsky a long time ago. So it's like classical folk. Tell us about your principal dancer and the star ballerinas. Who are they? We have a principal, uh, Kristina Kadoshevich. She and Oksana Bondarenko of Ukraine. Uh, both of them are laureate of the international competitions. 
they're very nice, great uh, artists with Ukrainian school, which uh, they're showing. And the young dancers, soloists, uh, Daniela Podgorushko, who have, and the other guys who is participating in our performance. Now, you are also making a stop in Lafayette. Will you perform different works there? Same program without Paquita. It will be thought, tribute to peace, and men of Kiev. Mm-hmm. Is uh, Lafayette the final stop on this tour? No, final stop is Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Yeah, I think it's on the 26th of October. You have been on the road for nearly eight months, performing in Europe and now the United States, and you're still unable to return home to Ukraine as the Russian invasion continues. Are you in contact with family in Ukraine? Yes, we are in contact. I cannot say we are not able to go home. It's not safe to go home, and that's no possible to work over there as we used to. Uh, but we are in contact with all our families, relatives, friends. Yes, every day we are in contact with them. Mm-hmm. And what are your plans after this U.S. tour? We have no plans yet, uh, no concrete plans. We are planning to go to Czech Republic, planning to go to Middle East, maybe we will go to Greece. We'll see. Yeah. As people are moved by your ballet company and your performances, what do you hope they'll be talking about after the show? I, I, I hope they will talk about it's a great show. They're so nice. They're so uh, shy and bright, and uh, they're so strong and full of love. This is our point we're looking for. The audience will talk about. Yeah. And Jenny, do you have uh, something you might want to add to that uh, specifically about uh, local audiences? I think our local audiences are going to love the company, and I think they're going to appreciate the absolute resilience of these artists and of these dancers that in the midst of what their country is facing and continue to face and their family and friends back home, I think we in New Orleans know full well what it's like to face tragedy and disaster and to really rise above that. And there's no better way to do that than the arts. The arts transcend all of that. And I think there's such a beauty in what they're going to provide. I think our audiences are going to walk out feeling the hope and the power of the arts to be able to transcend us and what else may be going on. And I I really think that's what our audience, in addition to their just extraordinary talent and their technique and their abilities, is that opportunity to be lifted by the beauty of this company and by their resilience. Kiev City Ballet Artistic Director Ivan Kozlov and New Orleans Ballet Association Executive Director Jenny Hamilton. Thank you for sharing this story with us. Thank you, Diane. Thank you. Thank you very much. Kiev City Ballet will perform Saturday, October 22nd at the Mahalia Jackson Theater in New Orleans. Performances in southwest Louisiana run October 23rd and 24th at the Hyman Performing Arts Center in Lafayette.
From WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Diane Mack. The NOLA Project, Theater for the Bold, opens its 18th season with a world premiere adaptation of Anton Chekhov's The Seagull. This modern-day local variation, The Seagull, or How to Eat It, takes audiences on an immersive outdoor experience in the New Orleans Museum of Art's Best Off Sculpture Garden Amphitheater. The NOLA Project's co-artistic director, A.J. Allegra, joins us. Welcome to Louisiana Considered. Thanks, Diane. It's so nice to hear your voice. (laughs) A.J., you are a busy man. You're wearing two hats as the theater company's co-artistic director and director of this production. What draws you to the Russian dramatist Anton Chekhov's work, and why did you choose to adapt his dark comedy, The Seagull, for local audiences? Well, I think that uh, ever since I was in college, when I really first discovered Chekhov. His work always fascinated me. It's a wonderful enigma of a type of work that is uncategorizable as either a comedy (laughs) or a drama. And that's what I particularly always loved about Chekhov. And particularly about The Seagull, the themes are so universal. It's about parents and children and unrequited love and the struggle to make art in a world that is unappreciative of artists. All of those things, to me, led me to say, you know, what if we could, you know, do our own adaptation of The Seagull and do something that was really localized and something set in our present day down here? So I went to Gab Reisman, who is a longtime friend of mine and collaborator with the company, and I pitched the idea, and she liked it. So <laughs> the writing of it was something that kind of took us both throughout the pandemic when we were shut down and unable to perform or produce. It was a real passion project for the both of us. So you said it's not a comedy, it's not a tragedy, or maybe even both. Can you kind of hone it down a little bit and tell us what it is and what is the story about? Sure. Well, the story of the seagull is essentially the story of a famous actress and her son and the uh, difficult relationship that they have with one another. The son himself wants to be uh, a writer, a playwright, you know, basically a respected figure, but he feels like he's always caught in her shadow of fame. And he's in love with a young girl that lives near them. He's producing a play Uh, that's starring her to start the show. And uh, the whole thing kicks off with this disastrous play that (laughs) is the kind of the instigating incident for everything that follows in the drama. And, you know, like a lot of Chekhov plays, it's about characters that are currently in a location, but wanting to go to another location or, or currently in love with someone who doesn't love them back. So it's a lot of characters trying to express themselves and kind of struggling to do so. And I think that the struggle is hilarious, but it's also <laughs> tragic because it's a struggle. Yeah. <laughs> you see, you know, it's funny to watch people not get what they want just as much as it is to watch people have their happy endings. It starts off as a family drama about a mother and son and just kind of becomes about so much more than that and becomes about just art and the struggle to define yourself in the world as an adult and as an artist. 
Now, in the NOLA Project's original script, how much does it vary from Chekhov's classic work? Well, it's in English, so that's that's something that the audience <laughs> is going to be thankful for. Um, but it, it actually very closely hews to the to the plot line that Chekhov set out. It just takes the characters and sets them in modern-day Mandeville. We thought, you know, so many of Chekhov's plays take place in kind of a, a countryside, you know, somewhere outside of the big city. So we thought, you know, to adapt it here in New Orleans, if we set it somewhere across the lake, where these characters want to go to New Orleans, but they're kind of stuck living out <laughs> across the causeway. We thought that that was a, a nice way to, uh, you know, equate to the, uh, the, the settings. Mm-hmm. And the themes, what are you exploring in this original script? There's themes about art and love and the struggle to produce meaningful art. I think that there's a big question in the play about what does it mean to sell out and what does it mean to create meaningful work? Because I think that every artist has that struggle. Is Do I create work that's popular or do I create work that's meaningful? And how can I find that, that sweet spot in between the two where it accomplishes both? Mm-hmm. And how do you localize it? I'm trying to get a feel for what's that Louisiana or New Orleans or, or Mandeville flavor that's injected into this. It's all throughout the dialogue. You know, there's so many local allusions and references to, you know, the characters, where they're going, uh, what they've been doing. You know, there's a family that runs the estate, and we decided that they were from, you know, St. Bernard Parish, so they have a very yatty sound. Um, the characters, um, you know, Irene, the, the, who is our, our lead actress, played by Liz Argus, She's a, you know, a girl that's from the Louisiana North Shore, but has obviously gone off to Los Angeles and New York and jet-setting the world. And so, you know, she comes back into town to visit with family at this place. But that's basically how we can set it in New Orleans and, and have a lot of local flavor injected into it. Okay. So let's talk about the title. You have a subtitle to it, The Seagull or How to Eat It. What is that about? There's a line in the play that Irene says, you know, art is art. Don't tell me how to eat it. And I think the meaning of that is that art is something that you put out there in the world. But how someone else takes that art in is always subjective. And that, I think, is essential to Chekhov. We put a play out into the world, and some people will laugh their butts off, and some people will cry their eyes out. And uh, we're not telling you how to experience the play. We're not telling you what you should feel, uh, which is a very, I feel like, a very Hollywood thing. Uh, we're, we're much more ambiguous in our goals. We want to present you with something, and you take it as you want to eat it. Uh-huh. I think that the opportunity to view this play in a natural setting is so unique because Chekhov and Stanislavski that, that, that directed Chekhov's first plays, what they prided themselves on was this ability to make a very natural setting inside a theater. But what we have is we have this play that is performed in a natural setting in the amphitheater. The weather's perfect, and the lake is an actual lake that we are standing right in front of <laughs> while we <laughs> perform the show. So I think it's just a, such an idyllic setting that audiences will really enjoy. Tell us about the local ensemble of actors. Who are they? We've got a great ensemble of actors that have been seen 
on stages across the city for years and years. In fact, the cast is led by Liz Argus, who most people will recognize from her years of work at Tulane Summer Lyric. This is the first time that Liz has performed in a non-musical play in 30 years. So um, I was so excited that she agreed to do this this project with us, and she's really dynamite in the in the show. We also have NOLA project members like Natalie Boyd and Kyrie Armstead, and then we have a lot of people that have done local work for years in New Orleans, like Kyle Degrapon and um, Mandy Zirkenbach and Garrett Prejean. And then we have a couple of really nice up and comers: a Tulane grad and a Loyola student, Ross Brill and P.J. Ruffins. Both of them are phenomenal. So it's a nice big 10-person ensemble cast, really solid experience overall, terrific performances. Will audiences think deeper about life and choices after this experience? Oh, I don't see how you couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) When you leave a great play like this, you are left to confront yourself and to look at your own life and to analyze your own happiness and your own life decisions about the work that you've created and the things that you'll leave behind. The NOLA Project co-artistic director, A.J. Allegra, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Diane. The NOLA Project presents The Seagull, or How to Eat It, by Gab Reisman and Anton Chekhov. Performances run through October 30th in the New Orleans Museum of Art's Best-Off Sculpture Garden Amphitheater. Please note this production contains adult content, coarse language, mentions of suicide, and offstage gunshots. WNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge. You've been listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Diane Mack. Thanks to our guest, Keeves City Ballet Artistic Director Ivan Kosloff and New Orleans Ballet Association Executive Director Jenny Hamilton and the NOLA Project's Co-Artistic Director A.J. Allegra. Our managing producer is Alana Schreiber and our digital editor is Caitlin Umholtz. Our engineers are Garrett Pittman, Aubrey Procell, and Thomas Walsh. You can listen to Louisiana Considered Monday through Friday at noon and 7.30 p.m. It's available on Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in to Louisiana Considered tomorrow to learn more about the endangered Gulf of Mexico whale. Last week, 100 scientists signed a petition urging the Biden administration to save the whale from extinction. Tomorrow, we learn how efforts to create a healthier gulf could save the species. And Louisiana Considered wants to hear from you. Please fill out our pitch line to let us know what kinds of story ideas you have for our show. And while you're at it, fill out our listener survey. We want to keep bringing you the kinds of conversations you'd like to listen to. You can find links to both of these at our websites, wwno and wrkf.org.
Major support for Louisiana Considered provided by Rouse's Markets, a Louisiana shopping experience, with additional support from Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation.